What's going on? What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Successes Within Reach podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Smith, and this is episode four, Educating Our Youth in Today's America. We have two dynamic uh, guests with us this evening. Uh, first up, I want to bring on, uh, she's a high school principal in the Northern Virginia area. We have Mrs. Monica Charles-Williams. Good evening. Good evening. How you doing? All right. And uh my second guest this evening, uh, she's a special education administrator in the Central Virginia area. Uh, we have Miss Maisha Smith, and I want to bring her to the stage. All right, good evening, good evening, good evening. How you all doing this evening? Awesome. Good deal, good deal. All right, before we get started, ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind you that you can join in the conversation live, submit your questions and comments at www.facebook.com slash SIWR podcast. One more time at www.facebook.com slash SIWR podcast. And also, this is a pretty special episode. So we want to shout out all of our educators, the teachers, the guidance counselors, the principals, the administrators, the teachers, aides, you know, the unsung heroes that are educating our, our youth to bring about, you know, the next great generation of leaders. Um, so for this episode from our sponsor, the CEO within you, if you are a teacher, a counselor, a principal or an administrator, shout out your school your city and your state in the comments. And during our second break, uh, you'll be entered. Uh, we're gonna pull three names for a chance at a $75 Amazon gift card. Uh, so once again, if you are a teacher, counselor, principal, administrator, or teacher's aide, uh, drop down in the comments, shout out your school, your city and your state. And during our second break, we'll pull three names out. Uh, from that group, and you'll be answered for a chance to uh, get this $75 gift card from Amazon. All right. So first up, first up, I uh, want to ask you all to tell us a little bit about yourself and why you chose the field of education. And uh, Monica, we'll start with you. All right. So um, I've been in education for about a span of about 16 years. And I've taught in New York City public schools. I've taught, you know, in um, in suburbs. I've taught in all levels. Um, I was a special education teacher, um, and I'm dual certified. So actually, I taught general ed. I've taught team taught settings, and I've taught self contained. So, um, but my main focus has always been how can we do what's best for students? How can we support our kids? And my um, second grade teacher, Mrs. Skinner, uh, shout out to Mrs. Skinner <laughs> in New York City. <laughs> but she's the reason why I, I wanted to become a teacher. She's the reason why I got into mm -hmm. education. Um, she just made it so much fun in the classroom. And she always taught me that I remember when I was younger, but um, she always made me believe that anything was possible as long as you have an education. So Nice, nice. All right, Maisha. All right. Um, 
Well, I have been in education um, a little under 10 years. Um, I started off, I'm actually a career speaker. Um, I had a friend that was working at a therapeutic day school and they had an administrative position open and they told me, you should apply. And I got there and I was like, oh, I'm gonna get in the classroom. I wanna go where the action is. So I ended up um, going back to school, getting my license and becoming a teacher. Um, I've worked with the ID population, the autism population, the SLD population, um, self-contained and inclusion. And um, I just feel like as long as I can change one student one day at a time, that's my motivation to stay in education. So kind of where we awesome. are. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So we know over this past year, pretty much the whole world changed. <laughs> You know, uh, you know, the pandemic crisis that hit us, you know, completely out of left field um, and it changed everything. You know, our home life, our work life. Um, and, you know, of course, that also meant that our school systems changed a lot. Uh, so I want to ask the both of you, what is the current climate in our school systems uh, with the multiple adjustments due to the pandemic crisis? And um, Aisha, we'll start with you this time. Oh, man, I was. But <laughs> um, I, I can say that. Um, with this current um, pandemic, um, this climate is delicate. Um, this is a time where we definitely have a lot of care and compassion. Um, anyone that's in education and that loves their job, even a parent, you know, we all recognize the importance of why we want our students in the building. Um, we recognize that remote learning is not the best fit for every child. Um, we see a lot of articles every day about the amount of students that are failing due to remote instruction. Um, me, um, being in a school with students with autism, a lot of our students have sensory issues. They, they can't even sit in front of a computer and the parents really don't know what to do with them. So, you know, with that being said, you have that one hat, but then we also have the safety issue of, you know, being in school in the midst of a pandemic, you know, staff having to come in with their families to go home to, you know, bringing the students and the staff in at one time it could be a situation where one person calls the whole school is sick. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can say that, you know, we're in a place where you have to show a lot of care and compassion. You have to be understanding um, whatever decision that individuals make, whether it's to come to school or stay at home or work remotely. Um, we have to make sure that we are um, creating a culture that is trustworthy, um, understanding. Um, building staff morale in a state because all it takes one case and mass hysteria fear So, you know, it's a very delicate time to be in education, to be a leader in education, to be a parent, to have to make decisions of whether or not your child comes to school. So, you definitely, like I said, have to be caring and compassionate. Yeah. Definitely. I'm like, Maisha, I second everything that you just said. <laughs> That's exactly what the climate is. I mean, everyone, um, I feel like because of all the changes, there's always this uncertainty of what we're doing next, right? And no one mm -hmm. likes to think about like how you can function when you don't know what's coming next, right? What job mm -hmm. would you have where that, unless it's education right now, right? <laughs> where you would not know what you're doing yeah. tomorrow. Um, and because of that, there's a lot of, of fear 
of the unknown. And you're right. It's managing feelings like with the teachers, um, just trying to comfort them, trying to make them feel like it's okay to come back to school um, and that we're prepared. I mean, the amount of um, money that has went into just like different products, you know, cleaning the schools, the, the technology now that has to be put in because we have the um, dual learning where it's virtual, but then if, if they choose to be in-person, now we have to figure out how one teacher can manage to teach both. I mean, it's just so many new things that are coming at us left and right. And so um, I'm hoping though now with like the vaccine and all these different, um, you know, different ways that we can start to continue to somehow have normalcy that the chaos will start to, to even out and just be normal once again. <laughs> Maybe not right away, but <laughs> we're working towards normalcy. We're working towards it. We're working towards it, right? Yeah. That's the goal. I think everybody's trying to figure out what that new normal is going to be now. Yes, definitely. Including um, us. <laughs> including us. <laughs> definitely. All right. Uh, do you feel that the resources and collaborative efforts provided have equipped teachers to provide the same caliber teaching versus teaching in person or are more resources still needed? Um, and Monica, we'll start with you this time. Oh, man, you could have started with my issue with this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like there were and I, I know that it's different for every single school, right? The amount of training mm -hmm. that was put into it. But I remember when the shutdown happened back in April and how there was really minimal um, preparation because we didn't really know what we were preparing for, right? Like, it was like, hey, you have to learn this new system and you're going to be online. And a lot of teachers who weren't really good with technology, like, what do you do? Right. And mm -hmm. you're trying to train them. And it had to be a quick turnaround because the pressure was coming from everywhere. Right. The, you know, parents, I want my kid back in school. You know, the kids are like, I want to be back in school. And the teacher's like, I don't know what to do. You know, um, <laughs> so I don't I don't think that more resources are needed because honestly, I mean, they were thrown at us. You know, I okay. just think it's just a matter of people adjusting. And that was never really, that opportunity I feel wasn't given in the very beginning. It was kind of like, what job, like I said, what job do you know where, you know, you go to work one day and they're like, they change up your whole career almost the next day. And that's how some, um, some of the teachers were feeling, I think, at that point. Gotcha. Maisha, what's your take on this one? No. Um, I can tell you, we left on March 11th. I said, I'll see y'all next week. <laughs> and no clue. That I wouldn't see anyone again next week. The next week. Um, I think that I agree with Monica. I think that, and it differs. I think some teachers who are very tech savvy or maybe mm -hmm. like fresh out of school or have like some IT background, you know, they took the, they have taken the virtual learning environment and ran with it. Yeah. Um, I think, but for some areas, um, I think that teachers who are kind of veterans who are used to paper and pencil and not so much into the technology really struggle. Um, I think when we look at um, how some divisions were planning for students to come back, 
and not really so much focusing on virtual instruction and at the last minute had to change over to virtual instruction and didn't put as much of the time, energy and training the staff on the resources to be virtual. I think that mm-hmm. was the hindrance. And, you know, again, just adjusting to the new norm, I think that, again, I don't think teachers needed, a, they need additional resources. I think we just need in my opinion, to pick something and then perfect whatever it is that we're going to go with. And I think because they had the pressure of parents and different things, some people that I want to have a school and superintendents were, you know, focusing on trying to open schools and that just, that wasn't the case. All they had to flip to remote, you know, instruction for 8,000 students, you know, that was, that was tough. So who do you think is the tougher on? I'm glad I didn't have to be the one to make that decision for eight. <laughs> that was a decision, right? <laughs> Definitely. Who do you think has been tougher on on the parents or on the students? Monica. Monica. I was about to say, Tasha. Um, <laughs> you, no, honestly, um, uh, I was I both students. I'm actually mm. going to say students, and this is why because. They were, they're technically being robbed of their time in high school. Like people have those high school stories and it, you know, the camaraderie where they're with their Mm -hmm. their friends and they build these memories. And these are not memories that they are fond of right now. (laughs) You know, they couldn't see that. I have a teenager, so I know he, it kind of broke him, you know, not to be able to be in the school to, you know, build, build those relationships that you normally would. You know, um, and even though I know it's difficult for parents, right? Because you're like, oh my God, the parent, you know, parents are home and they have to stay on top of their kids now. And if they have like, you know, daycare issues, things like that. But speaking from a high school perspective, parents can adjust, right? Like, but when it comes to when it comes to the students. That's just a hard blow when they're used to a, mm-hmm. a certain way of living and now they don't have that anymore. So I don't know. I just. Well, I'm going to say both. Um, and I say that because um, from an elementary standpoint, I feel like, you know, all ch- I've always said out of this entire pandemic, I feel like the children are killing most because um, now they're going to be required to know the same information. They have the same graduation requirements, you know, and those students on an elementary level who are in that K through three foundational skills, that is missing. And then you have parents who are trying to stay safe, trying to keep a job, trying to find a job, and then having to be responsible for being a teacher for their child. Mm-hmm. And then possibly teaching a skill that they don't have because they might have some deficits and shortcomings. So that's why for me, I just think everything, everything, there's no winner in this situation. I think both Yeah, you know gotcha. what, Aisha? The way, all right, I'll say both. Right, but I do, I do have, I, I'm kind of siding more with the, with the student, but I understand because at, like I said, as a parent, it is tough, but I just feel like, like my baby girl was supposed to have kindergarten happening right now you know and mm-hmm. your kindergarten year is like everything you know you have the pictures and she has a picture with her headset on and her computer so 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know it's it's hard on the parents because you're you're managing life, but I know from the outside looking in, like it's it's heartbreaking seeing it, the pictures that people post of like their kids. <laughs> and, and don't mention yeah. if you're the parent, you're a parent and an educator, because I wanted to show my baby love cardboard box <laughs> on the first day of school and say, you know. Hey, yeah. virtual mom, but I was in school. So. Yeah. yeah, some of these, especially the little ones, like their their faces, it's just heartbreaking. Like <laughs> to see yeah. them just at, sitting at a, at a little cubby, you know, at home when they're used to Crap playing over. and interacting, you know. Yeah, and the headaches they have, like the time they spent on the computer. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that was a question, Monica, because I had a whole bunch about that. Yeah, like I. All, okay, all so let's kids, talk about it. All yeah, my kids had headaches. I, in the beginning, I had to get them those screen protectors that's supposed to block mm-hmm. the UV lights and all that. Oh you know, wow! But it was really the amount of time they were spending until teachers adjusted and started putting putting in more breaks. And even mm-hmm. on the high school level, we had to have that conversation like how can we put in breaks so they can have less screen time Mm -hmm. how can we make those adjustments so they're not going home doing a lot of homework and that continues their day right they started at like eight o'clock they're doing homework till six that's a huge amount of time to have your eyes focused on the screen Mm -hmm. and that came with a lot of trial and error because we were not ready right that's no one knew no one knew that's something I hadn't even heard, you know, anybody mention that their kids were having headache problems from, you know, their extended screen time. Like that's that's a whole nother issue in itself, you know, that I feel like administrations and school boards have to address, you know, hopefully enough teachers and parents are bringing that to their attention. Yeah, it was definitely addressed, I know, um, for, you know, our our district, but I, it was mm-hmm. probably addressed. Was it addressed for you too, Maisha? Like. Mm-hmm. I've been to yeah. school board meetings. I couldn't wait to hear these medication plans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ooh, what they do? Yeah. And you oh, know what? The, the faculty, the teachers needed breaks too, because mm-hmm. they were saying the same mm-hmm. thing. They're like, you know, if they're if the if the uh, students are staring at the screen at them, you know, they're doing that all day, all their classes. Mm-hmm. They had one little break for lunch, and then it was like right back at it. So mm-hmm. it helped. It was a win-win, I think, on both sides when we put in the breaks for their. Wow. Oh, wow. So, you know, we just uh, spoke about the different adjustments with the parents, which kind of transitioned into my next question. Uh, What are some good resources and websites that parents can visit to help reinforce what's being learned virtually and to further enhance their child's um, online learning experience? You know, teachers are saying, I mean, not teachers, some of the parents are saying, you know, I'm not familiar with this particular subject or with this particular curriculum. So what are some websites that they can go to to kind of help the kids out as well as help themselves out? Okay. Did you want to go first, Maisha? Mm-mm. <laughs> no? <laughs> I mean, we're probably going to have a lot of the same things. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Google Classroom is like a godsend, I feel. Mm-hmm. And you could do everything on that. Um, and, you know, for educators, you can, you should know, right? They're probably already putting stuff in the comments, but they, they can create ex- uh, tests, formative assessments. Um, and, it's just they have so many new things that they're doing every every other day. They're adding to Google. So that's one. Mm-hmm. Um, Khan Academy is the oldie but goodie. They have all these uh, tutorial videos. Yes. You can watch it, and it's so clear and precise. It breaks everything down. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I use it for my son for math because if his teacher 
if he watches something he doesn't understand it i'm like khan academy go go back go google it and bring it up it's so quick and easy um quizzes that's just a fun way to to um for your kid to interact it's almost like a I don't. It's not quite a video game, but when you when they go on it, they answer questions, they get points. Um, it's just like Kahoot. That's a that's another fun way to learn for students, right? Kahoot. Um, and then go formative is more for the teachers. Um, if they okay. use that, they can see in real time what the students are doing, and it it definitely is. You can integrate it with all these other systems that they have anyway. So. They were more between us with parents. Yeah, I know. But it's Google. I mean, the internet. I had encyclopedias growing up, so. Yeah. <laughs> Britannica. Yeah. So if you, you have the internet, you can Google almost anything. YouTube. I forgot about YouTube. YouTube has everything. YouTube, YouTube University never fails. Yeah, um, I was going to say uh, Reading Rocket. I think that is a good um, um, tool for not just, and I keep it down to the right, you know, COVID got my brain just all over the place. Um, but it's a great resource for teachers and parents with reading strategy, um, ABC Mouse. You know, we see that on TV a lot, but that's a good one for smaller kids because Monica was with the big kids. So I'm going to come stay right now. Um, PBS. Um, the website um, has a lot of resources. Um, Scholastic newsletters, the Scholastic website. Um, I well, this is not necessarily a website, but there's a lot of virtual tours um, that explore a lot of different things. Um, virtual field trips to kind of reinforce um, what the teacher is teaching. Um, YouTube, we'll just put that, but right <laughs> here. And then I think, then I think in the time when we talked about it, I think it's important that we look at things that are not technology um, because, again, our kids spend a lot of time um, on the computer. And if you have a little boy like I do, they probably spend a lot of time on the game as well. Um, and so because I work with a lot of students with like ADHD and things, I think we need to kind of talk about some <laughs> things they do that's outside of the computer. Um, like mm -hmm. old-fashioned letter writing, you know, to work on that handwriting. Um, and I think something else, um, some things like board games, red light, green light, those old-school games that really um, still test that rope memory, that working memory, um, having them have to follow directions. Um, those physical activities where they have to have a fast response, decide what they're going to do next. I think it's good to get so they can burn some of that energy. Because sitting in front of a computer all day, you know, we need to find some ways to get them moving. Um, so I think those are some things that we may not think about in the parents, but I think, you know, they don't have peace and different things where they will be moving, going to the gym, going to lunch, moving around. So Still giving them those opportunities, I think, is very important for our smaller babies. Nice. And nice. you're right about those books, like the, the stuff that's not technology for the, for the younger kids, since I have some, you know, five and seven-year-old. But I go to Barnes and Nobles. I know sometimes people like it's a little pricey, but they have a whole section, educational section. Um, mm -hmm. And it's nothing but tons of resources. I mean, from you know, the letter writing, like you said, all the way up to uh, Algebra 2 and pre-calculus books. Like, 
So if you just mm. want something, even summer for the summer, my summer breeze. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're like, I hate that my mom's in education. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, let's go. We're going we gonna to keep learning through the summer. So, Oh, and Amazon. You could order stuff off of Amazon all day. Get it faster than Barnes & Nobles. Hey, can't go wrong with Prime. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, once again, I'm your host, Shannon Smith, and this is episode four of the Successes Within Reach podcast, educating our youth in today's America. We're going to pause for a quick break, and we'll be right back. I'm ready to the boat. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, once again, I'm joined by Mrs. Monica Charles Williams and Miss Maisha Smith as we're discussing educating our youth in today's America. All right. So the next uh, question I have for you is, what do you believe is the biggest need in order to elevate our children's skill sets and learning experience um, as we progress them forward into the future? Is it new curriculum, updated books and computer labs or changes in school hours? Or do you think that is something else? And uh, Maisha, we'll start with you on this one. Oh, good. Mm. <laughs> say those were the options on it when you said that's the question. Um, let's see. What do I believe? I'm waiting for the options to come back to this. Uh, it's a new curriculum, updated books and computer labs, uh, changes in school hours, or do you think that is something else? Um, come back to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, okay, Maisha, you then threw me out there. So you know it, this is a loaded question. You know why? Because depending on where you are, we know that all schools are not created equal, right? Mm -hmm. And the resources that you know I may have in my school, you you may never even have a touch of it at your school. And that's very unfortunate. So yes, for some schools, there may need to be some updated books, right? Um, look at that. Meantime, was like right on point with that <laughs> updated books. Um, when it comes to the curriculum, I mean, the curriculum has been the same for forever. forever you know, mm -hmm. um, I think if we had one area to focus on to update, that would be history. But that's for a different show, Shannon. I won't Going to that, <laughs> it would be the <laughs> curriculum. Um, so, with that being said, besides things within the school, it's really not too much, but just trying to make sure that we have the resources spread amongst all of the schools equally mm -hmm. and not just some schools. And then the other part is just having the the parental support that lacks sometimes in some schools versus mm -hmm. others. You know, um, I've been at schools where if we have five parents show up at PTA night, um, that's a blessing, you know, oh, we're, wow. like, we're glad you're here. And then you go to other schools mm -hmm. and not only are the parents uh, like, you're like, oh my, am I having a concert? I mean, they're in attendance. <laughs> oh, and wow. you didn't have food. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I know. 
I've had food at other schools and they still, parents still didn't show up. You could have tapped in, stood on, you know, did a whole show. And they, you know, so I feel like that's the other missing piece. Parents' mm-hmm. voices have to be heard, especially our voices, right? They have to gotcha. be heard. And often those are the voices that are missing and decisions that need to be made at the schools in order to mm-hmm. better the education for our students. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> All right, what you got? <laughs> so, and it's so funny because I was just having a conversation with one of my colleagues about textbooks, even though that's not my overall answer. But when we were talking about textbooks and, you know, we were talking about how, you know, back in the day, not today, but, you know, when I was teachers had, you know, you could follow the curriculum because there was teacher workbooks that had examples and experiments and all types of things that was really right there for the kids. They didn't have to go looking for anything, but, you know, we do have Google now. But I think if I had to pick something, I would kind of pick it back off with Monica, and I would talk about equity and closing the educational disparity. I think that when you look at where the decisions are made, a lot of things happen in North Virginia because that is where the money is and that is where parents come and make a lot of money. Um, and they're voting for, um, they come in numbers to their school board meetings and different things. Um, you know, I guess because I've always worked in Title I school divisions, and I see that they, there is a lot of resources that come through those Title I school divisions, a lot of training, mm-hmm. a lot of opportunities. So, you know, they have a lot of the same resources. Um, but I think, again, when you talk about parents coming in and, you know, being vocal and forceful about what they know is right for their children, I think that's the difference. Um, and again, you know, just really closing that educational disparity. Gotcha. Gotcha. So all of the parents that's out there listening, you heard that. Need you to be active, plug in, get connected with your kids. I think um, your kids, school board, and your local government. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. Those people are getting put in positions and some of them don't need to be there. They don't have the best interest for your kids. So you have to make sure the school boards vote on everything. The superintendent answers to the school board. So if you don't Mm -hmm. have the people in place that have your best interest for your community at heart and for your students, then you are already at a deficit. So all of the parents, you got homework tonight. Go and find out who your superintendent is and who your school school board members are. And the third part is when the next vote is. Mm-hmm. That's that's the homework for all of the parents tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Um, so I'll flip the uh, same question over to the other side. What I'm is the biggest need? Okay. <laughs> What's the biggest need in order for our educators to teach at their max potential? Uh, smaller class sizes, updated resources and class materials, or more flexibility in teaching methods? I would say they all play a very important role. And um, I say that because I'm in a smaller school setting. Um, and so I see the, the effectiveness of some of our practices because we have smaller classroom sizes. We have a lot of flexibility to try some things that you may not be in a class size that has 15, 20, 25 students. Um, and I think that also um, 
giving teachers the support. And when I say that, I don't necessarily mean material, but I also think it means the training to deal with the different types of learners, to deal with the different types of behaviors, um, having the staff equipped to deal with the trauma that comes with the students that comes depending on your area, um, having those resources that help parents that they come with their own sense of trauma and they don't know how to advocate for their students appropriately so it comes off as aggressive and different mm -hmm. things um just again making sure that teachers can teach um and that they have the resources around them that they can teach um and again i also always say class size make a difference i know from a fiscal standpoint that's not always the case but mm -hmm. a teacher can do a lot more in a class of less than 15 than they can with a class of more than 15. Um, and again, making sure you have the resources. And when I say resources, they have the skills, they, you know, to teach the curriculum. Um, because sometimes the teachers don't know how to unpack the students. They don't know how to teach specially designed instruction. They don't know how to get to that person that the first time to reteach something. So I think all those things are very, very important. Gotcha. And I, I agree with everything that you said when it comes to um, smaller class sizes. So you were talking about like Title I schools, normally they are overpacked, right? Um, mm -hmm. Way above what they're supposed to have in their classes. Um, so smaller class sizes, if you have less of your, have fewer students in your class, then you're able to really personalize the, ex the experience, right? As a teacher, mm -hmm. you're able to um, really get to know them, understand their needs. And as the numbers grow, it's just really more difficult to do that. It's not that some teachers aren't doing it. It just makes it harder, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then the resources, once again, every school doesn't have the same resources. The trainings that are available in some schools that should be available for every teacher to take is not always there. Um, so, yeah, all of them are definitely, I would say, equally important um, for the success of our students. And you know something that you just made me think about with my COVID brain. Um, with making sure we have the resources and the supports to keep teachers, um, I think we gotta we have a teacher shortage um, in America, but I know in Virginia. Um, and so when you have those schools that have a lot of turnover, you know, really not good for the students um, because that sits the to see is you know was constantly changing, and then it's not good for when you are investing resources and time and training in someone that's not there. Then you have to keep investing that in a new staff member every. So I think that you know just having that support teachers is really really impacts students. Gotcha. All right. Um, next up. It's a question that's uh, more individual for you each. Uh, what is one thing about your field that you wish you had known before you started? This ought to be a good one. <laughs> I'll go first. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Let me get all mine out the way. Um, I think what I did not realize that came with education was many hats that you have to juggle. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I always knew education as how it was when I was growing up. Um, I didn't, and, and maybe I just didn't realize, you know, about the food pantries and the, 
you know, the closet, the clothes closet, and, you know, the, you know, just the different hats you have to wear in education to make sure that you are reaching the whole student. Um, mm-hmm. You are the social worker, you are the counselor, you're the family counselor, you know, you are the minister, the preacher. I mean, you wear, you wear so many hats outside of teaching this math curriculum from 8 to 3.30. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing that I didn't realize. Um, and you take a lot of it home with you um, when you really care about what you do. Care about your students and you care about your family. So that was the part of education, especially for me, students with disabilities. Um, my first couple of years, I worked with a lot of students who were in foster homes and different things. I just, I did, I wasn't prepared for that. So that's the one thing that I didn't realize that came with. The yeah. Look, I'm thinking about all that. I'm like, I went through all those emotions. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's see, one thing I could tell my old self would be to check my biases because Mm. we all have them, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just, I came in, I think, in, in the very beginning, like, hey, I'm a teacher. I got this. I know everything, right? <laughs> and these kids are going to love me. And they, you know, and the big, the biggest awakening for me, I remember was one student who, you know, I kept coming after her like, hey, do your homework. Do your homework. Why haven't you done your homework, right? <laughs> this, this was me all the time. You got up close like that, Monica. Head nod. <laughs> This, this was my New York City day, so I had to come correct. Do your homework, right? And, oh, man. <laughs> and then one day she turned around to me. I'll never forget what she said to me. She was like, Miss Williams, I don't have a space to do my homework. When I go home, I don't have a place to do it. I want to do it. But I'm living it. She explained her life, her chaotic life. She's living, you know. I mean, hopefully she's grown now. I'm not going to put her name out there. But, I mean, she was she was living with her sister. And, like, three other kids in a one-bedroom apartment somewhere in New York City. And she literally had no space to do her homework. Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by, like, check my bias, like, check how I view things, you know, because we all have our perspectives of how things should be. But it's only because of our experiences that we have those perspectives. And mm-hmm. so... It really, it caught me off guard because, you know, she's brown like me, right? But we mm-hmm. we have two totally different experiences growing up in life. Mm-hmm. I had a place to do my homework and she was bright. So I'm like, why, are you, why aren't you doing your homework? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's, that's something I would have told myself, like, you know, just really get to know people's experiences before you judge what they should be doing or what they shouldn't be doing. Because education is all about knowing that student. Like, that is my biggest thing. I started mentor programs. I've done so much for the youth because that's the missing piece. Mm-hmm. I'm saying one of the best experiences I had was when I got on the school bus and went around the community in which I was um, teaching and seeing the different areas. And you know what I'm talking about? And hotels <laughs> where people were yeah. like living, like that was a culture. I'm like, oh my god, you know. But I think that that mm-hmm. 
important when you are talking about educating students and connecting them. You really need to see what our children go through before they come through the Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, as, as both of you just talked about that, I couldn't help but think about that scene from Lean On Me, where he was uh, wondering what was wrong with Kanisha. And mm-hmm. she started explaining her home situation. Mm-hmm. And when he went there, he was like, what in the world is going on? Like, you were one of my best parents back in the day. How did we get here? Right. You know, and sometimes you, you just don't know what students are dealing with at home. So, you know, at 22, I was not ready for that. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yes. That was I. But um, we're here. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, that's what keeps you going because yeah. from all the stories, you've also like I've also seen students who have just their lives have changed for the good, like homeless. And they're they're sitting here being teachers right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they I mean the abuse they might have went through in their homes. I mean, I've, I've definitely had to call CPS and get involved in a couple of things just from all the horrible things that a lot of students went through. Um, when I worked in the city, but they made it through their, their, mm-hmm. their spirit, their perseverance, they're relentless. And that's when you have those stories of, of those students, you're like, this is why you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Changing nice. lives. One student at a time. Yep. That's my slogan in the morning. <laughs> nice. I have your own slogan. Hey, you gotta have something every morning to get you going. Oh man. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, this is Successes Within Reach, episode four, educating today's educating our youth in today's America. We're gonna take a quick uh break for our second uh break. And when we come right back, then we will look into these Amazon gift cards. We'll be right back. Hey, let me know. I, I'll make you a commercial. I got you. <laughs> All right. Looking in our comments, we have a bunch of comments, but I didn't see anybody shout their school out. Shout it so out. if there are any educators that are watching, I'm going to give you one last chance to shout out your school and your city and your state. Come on, 75 could go a long way. I gave you a few seconds. Going once, going twice. All right. So, since the gift cards are supposed to go to educators, they will go to my guest for this evening. Yeah. Yay. I just asked, I got on mute. Can I get one? <laughs> <laughs> hey, all right. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. As we wrap up, um, I would like to ask you all, 
um, because, you know, there's always a new generation coming in, a new generation of students, a new generation of educators. Uh, what advice would you give to a college student with aspirations of starting a career in the education field? Whoever wants to go first, just jump out there. I'll go first because I'm actually sad this is ending. <laughs> Let me draw this out because you know I'm enjoying myself so much. Um, I would definitely tell myself college. Um, and I would just say this about being in education. I wrote this out. I would just say this period as a young woman, um, just make sure you take care of yourself. Um, you cannot pour from an empty glass. You have to find balance in everything that you um, so make sure that you are actively practice, practicing having a um, good home work-life balance. Make sure you have integrity in everything that you do because you have to remember that although this student may be awful, they may not understand something, they may be the best student in your class, but we always have to remember whatever student we have, someone is sending the best thing that they have to school every day for us to care about. So just be sure that you are taking care of yourself to be the best educator that you can be for them. You'll be surprised how you could change someone's life. So that would be my advice. Yeah. And I would say don't get into it for all the wrong reasons. Like, you know, um, summer's off because the summers are getting shorter. <laughs> it's definitely not the case. It used to be, you know, but not anymore. Um, you know, you want to go into this field with the spirit of knowing that you are impacting our future, literally. Like they're, you know, we say like the children are our future, but they are. I know there are students right now who have went into the medical field. They could be my doctor one day. They could be my nurse, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're literally helping to raise our youth. And you're teach you're becoming a mentor, even if you want to or not. Like so, you have to lead by example. You have to show them that they matter each and every day, and go into it with your whole heart, you know. But like you said, you definitely have to have balance. Like don't you know work on yourself. You got to work on yourself physically. Take right? it yourself. Yeah, physically to keep up with them. Goodness, you know, and they they quick call you old too. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, you you old Miss Williams, you know, so they'll tell you stuff like that. So you gotta oh, make sure wow. you keep up to date with yourself. Mm -hmm. But um also never stop being a lifelong learner. Yes. Oh my god, we got that one. Yeah, just you gotta keep educating yourself about how to reach them. Um mm -hmm. whatever, you know, whatever your whatever your field that you went into, like, you know, if you majored in English or math or whatever, just keep learning um and you know just just give your best and be relentless that's like my favorite word because you're going to come up against all these different scenarios and um these difficulties you could have you could have a difficult administrator right you know no one's mm -hmm. perfect i've had some i know that um but you just you just have to keep the main thing the main thing which is educating students and knowing that you are in a field that literally Teaches every life. other field and changes lives. Yes, we do not get paid. Huh? I was going to say for my special education teachers, 
please remember that we are preparing these babies for life application and education. So we need to make every moment we have with them. Mm. All right. And last but not least, I want to ask, what has been the most rewarding thing for you during your tenure in the education field? Ooh. All right, I'm going first, Maisha. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? For me, I actually have a box, and this is a little personal. I have a box that I put all of the letters that any student has ever written me. Um, mm -hmm. You know, any, it could be a thank you card. It could have just, you know, anything. And I, I look, I open up that box on my days where I'm feeling, I'm not feeling my best and I read over them. Mm. It's really just about um, when I look over my life, you know, the old poem about the dash, you know, that poem, the dash vaguely. Okay. I don't. Look, I, I remember the title, but I remember the title, but not the whole poem yeah. I'm going to Google it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite poems. It's pretty much like, you know, you have your life, right? When you're born this date, right? And then you end this date. So what are you doing in the middle, right? It counts. And so with my dash, right? You know, that little dash there. Um, it, it needs to stand for something. And I feel like over these years, I can honestly say whatever happens moving forward, it has meant everything. Oh, oh my god, I'm awesome. getting emotional. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we should take over, take over. <laughs> no, girl, you was doing so was good awesome. dashes and stuff. I was just like, right, how can yeah. I come behind that? But you know, since I don't want the show to end, I'm gonna come behind that. Um, I, I kind of told you all my biggest um is like I said, just being able to gain. I don't care if it's one life, um, mm -hmm. one day at a time. That's very important. Um, so when I have students tell me stuff like, Smith, you are the reason I look forward to coming to school where you make me feel good about myself. That's the I need to be in education. So um, nice. like Monica said, we don't get in it for the money. We don't get in it for summers off or you know, being off at three o'clock because we take work home. Um, we are at basketball games. We are cheerleader coaches. You know, we support our students in the AAU game. You know, it, it goes beyond those four walls we're in. So mm -hmm. that's my biggest reward to keep me going. Nice, nice. All right. This, this has just been awesome. Like, again, I just want to say, you know, thank you to the both of you for joining uh, me this evening. And shout out to all of the educators out there. You know, like I said, teachers, principals, administrators, counselors. Like, I don't think that enough uh, congratulations and, and kudos and thank yous go out. You know, I definitely think with this pandemic uh, happening and the kids being at home and parents seeing just how much you know, goes into teaching kids on a daily basis. I think a lot of people have a lot more respect and appreciation for what it is that you all do on a daily basis. You know, I know I've definitely seen it on social media. You know, parents are like, man, when they go back to school, these teachers need to raise ASAP. <laughs> uh, yeah, it took a little, took a little extra time with the, the kids. 
you know like it's it's so so many people that have a, a brand new appreciation for what it is that you all do it you know like i said i just want to salute all of you um and as we wrap up um you know everybody knows that season two i'm doing something a little different as we close out so this wait i want to say one more thing one more thing oh go ahead I'm just, I just don't want to end. I just, just doing this thing. Like, I just got my light going. I get to talk to stuff. Wow. I know. Oh, my goodness. Look, it's it's up teachers, not teachers. It's Counselors Appreciation Week. Um, yes. week. So, you know, we. Um, I'm just so <laughs> proud of the counselors. But, I'm, yes. you know, it's not. Educators are amazing. I would shout out Definitely. to all the educators. It's just, yes. they, do, they do so much work every day and people have no idea that three o'clock does not end their day. The good mm-hmm. ones, anyway, the very good ones. <laughs> so, yeah. Definitely. All right. This week's Mind Shift Moments. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis says, hardships prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. Um, and I think that's applicable uh, for a lot of what people have been going through with this pandemic, um, but also applicable because, you know, as we talked about, a lot of students have a lot of hardships and then they come to you all and, you know, you help them to understand that life is not always going to be hard. You know, you help them find the silver lining as well as you're educating them in the process on life, not just on the curriculum. Um, so just a reminder that there's no easy formula to this thing called life. There's no elevator to, to success. Everything we face is by design and writing the story of our lives. Uh, many people will live comfortably. Some will become rich. A few will even become wealthy. Uh, but the greatest uh, impact are those who whose story touches, inspires, and changes the lives of everyone they encounter. So that is this week's Mind Shift Moment. It was deep, oh, Shannon. That was really deep. And I love to <laughs> Next time you have Monica and myself up here, make sure I get one of those mics like Monica had. <laughs> <laughs> Got you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. I uh, just want to remind everybody out there in the audience, uh, please follow along and subscribe, share. Uh, you can find successes within reach on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Radio Public. Uh, we're live every Thursday at 8 p.m. And then it's uploaded and you can stream it on Saturdays of the same week. And with that, we remind everybody that you weren't designed to be good. You were designed to be great. See you next week. Be blessed. All right, guys.